This is the 401 Podcast. Join Rhode Island sports journalist and basketball scribe Kevin McNamara with guests from the Ocean State sports scene and beyond. Now, here's your host, Kevin McNamara. Welcome to another episode of the 401 Podcast with Kevin McNamara on Kevin Mac Sports. Well, the clock is ticking on the college basketball season. This year began with all sorts of questions. How many games could we play? What happens if there's a COVID outbreak? What the heck is a COVID pause? And will we ever make it to the NCAA tournament? Well, we can now see March, and it looks pretty inviting. The NCAA is bringing all 68 teams to Indianapolis, and everyone is jockeying for one of those coveted invitations. The insight into the actual basketball is a bit complicated. We all know that Gonzaga and Baylor are the best teams, but then it gets a little confusing. The Big Ten and the Big 12 are the best conferences by far. The Big East, well, they may not have a top 10 or maybe even a top three seeded team. Villanova and Creighton are both dangerous, but far from dominant. Seton Hall, St. John's, Xavier, UConn, maybe even Providence can still play their way into the NCAA tournament mix, but they all have a lot of work to do. To help get a bit of clarity, I'm excited about welcoming in this week's guest. Providence College and Big East fans know who Tim Welsh is. He coached 10 years with the Friars back when the Big East was truly stacked. Tim coached the third most games in Providence program history and his fourth in career wins at 303. He liked Rhode Island so much, he never left. He currently lives in East Greenwich and calls games for ESPN out in Texas, Oklahoma, and Iowa as a Big 12 analyst. So what makes the Big 12 so good this year? What does Tim remember about the PC-UConn rivalry? And how about the problems currently at Boston College? We get into those subjects and more. Tim, I know you're down in East Greenwich tonight and getting ready for a Big 12 game. That's your life these days. Uh, Thanks for joining me. Well, it's fun. Uh, You know, I really wouldn't want to be traveling in Oklahoma, Texas this time of year anyway, from what I've seen. But uh, it's always fun to do a Big 12 game. And uh, we'll have Cade Cunningham later on today, which is always fun to watch. And, uh, that's the story for tonight, and you yeah. know it's been a great season so far. I'm glad we've gotten this far, and it's been fun just to be able to do games. Yeah, obviously, most of the people listening to my podcast know you as the as the Friar coach for uh, eleven years, ten years. What was it? We were on. We were there for ten. Yeah, and uh, it was a fun ride, and uh, it was just you know those memories will always be with us, and uh, just appreciate the opportunity to coach such a story program and. Uh, Happy that we still live here and we can follow them closely and uh, always hope that they do well and uh, big fans of Ed and the way he's run the program. And uh, you know, Kevin Kerbeck is, was on our staff, Bob Walsh, obviously. So we've still got right. great connections to the people there. Well, we'll, we'll hit a few Friar highlights, uh, but I do want to start with actually the Big 12 because with the NCAA tournament come into uh, focus here, very clear that uh, the Big 10 and the Big 12 – uh, are the two best conferences in the country. Uh, just top to bottom, you know, first of all, it seems you've been assigned to the Big 12 for several years in a row now, so I think you have great perspective. Is this one of the better years? You know, Kansas is not Kansas, but, boy, everyone else is is very, very strong. No, and they've had a lot of years, Kevin, where I think that uh, this is similar to to it, although I think this may be the best because, even some of those years, uh, you know, probably last year was different because I think Kansas was had a chance to win the national championship. Mm. Uh, 
Uh, and Texas Tech has really jumped up and been great. And West Virginia had one bad year, and now they're back firing. So I think last year was pretty similar as well. Uh, but now you have Oklahoma State jumping in in Oklahoma. So that might give it a little bit of an edge from over the in the, in the past years. And you look at Baylor, they're the team, out, as everyone knows, has sure. the, chance, the best chance to win it. And, and then some years, going back three, four years, where everybody talked about the Big 12 being a great, great, the best conference. Well, they were, but I don't know if they had a chance, a team that could make the Final Four, and they really haven't had a team get to the Final Four in a while. So uh, Bill got there a few times with Kansas, and of course he won it there once. But last year, I think their team was the favorite going into the tournament and I think this year obviously Baylor if they can get themselves back on the court is going to be right there with Gonzaga's co-favorites but this league is really good and you know with Oklahoma now surging and showing what they can do nationally you know it just makes it even more difficult and it's just a great league and you know nobody even talks about TCU they're a tough out as well yeah when you got to go down there and beat them on their home court, that's no easy thing to do either. Well, it's two things that jump out at me, and we've talked about this before. You point out that from top to bottom, uh, not only the teams, you know, very good top to bottom, but it might be the best coaches league in the country uh, if you look at the background and winning track records of these guys. That's A, and B, maybe more so this year than even previous years, the amount of pros scattered out around every team, uh, you know, likely pros, not like, you know, cross your fingers, you might be drafted, but, you know, when a Cade Cunningham is at Oklahoma State, he could be the first pick in the whole draft, uh, and then you keep going all the way down. Um, Can you just speak to, I guess the question is, why are all these players landing in the Big 12, and you you appreciate the quality of the coaching more than anybody else? Well, it is, and, you know, and and actually, not talking about this year of course that's obvious all across america but you know and going to do these games and it's not easy to get there to get to ames and manhattan and lubbock and in waco but once you get there i tell you what they're great college atmospheres the buildings are all packed every night for these big 12 games morgantown which you've been to kevin back when they were in the big east and it's just they're great buildings great fan base uh, the fans are very loyal and they they stay behind their team it's unbelievable but not that you know listen we love being in the northeast and new england where you know they're happy win or win by 10 or they're not happy right. you know but right. in in that part of the country those those fans are just so loyal they get behind their team they really lift their team on a nightly basis and listen, the coaches, you can go down the list. There's 10 teams in the league. Six coaches have been to the Final Four. Uh, of course, you know, Bill Self has won the national championship. And, you know, Lon Kruger, Bob Huggins, uh, Jamie, Dix, Jamie Dixon's been to the Final Eight. Uh, and uh, you know, two other ones have been to the Final Shaka's been to the Final yep. Four at, uh, at uh, VCU, as sure. we know. So the league is just unbelievable. And Bruce Weber was in the national championship game when he was at Illinois, and the list goes on and on and on. And, you know, look at Chris Beard. He's just gone in there, and again, he's got a top-10 team. Mm. So that that type of thinking says, listen, I want to go play in a, in a league with great coaches and great fan base and pros. And it's kind of been a trickle-down effect, and I think that's what you've seen over the last five years. And you know, the schools really put a lot of resources into the program. And I like that it's 10 teams, kind of like the Big East. Now it's 11, but that's a good number as well. But the 10 teams is great because you've got the true round robin and the great rivalries that, have, that can stay to get play each other every year. And 
Um, you know, it's nice to see Baylor back getting a lot of recognition, too, because I think a lot of Scott Drew, and he's another one that's been to the Elite Eight, and uh, not to yet to the Final Four, but I have a feeling if they can get back on the court, they'll be there this year. Yeah. Uh, unfair question. Everyone knows Baylor is, you know, if they're not number one in the country, they're number two. I'm a Gonzaga guy, actually, but that's my own opinion. Uh, if there is that second team that can get on the run in the NCAA tournament, do you want to pick out one? I think Oklahoma can get. The, I mm. can go on a run. I mean, they had the run where they beat the three top ten teams. Uh, they've got firepower from the outside. Lon Kruger's kind of moved his lineup around where they play with small ball, but they've got they put five guys on the floor that can make threes. Mm. And on nights when they defend, they're really really good uh, because they're going to score. They're, they're really going to score. They play with a lot a lot of freedom. Lon lets them play loose and open, and he doesn't get mad at. At rush shots, he just lets them play, and they play with a lot of confidence. And if they can tighten their defense, they can be really good. You know, they're not as athletic as you'd want them to be up front, and sometimes they don't rebound the ball because they are smaller. But boy, they can score. And, and then the other team, I think, is Texas. I think Texas is a team with the three guards and the big guys up front that can rebound and defend in the paint. They've got. They're going to play with a lot of confidence in the tournament. This is a different shock, a smart team than we've seen in the past. I think they'll be able to do some damage in the tournament as well. All right, now we've got to bring you back east. Enough of the Ames, Iowa, and uh, Texas spots and all that stuff. Uh, you're an eastern guy, and uh, I know you watch the ACC and the Atlantic 10 and the Big East quite closely. Uh, it, it, it's a, quote, down year here in the east. We, we don't have top five teams, um, especially in the ACC. It's a head-scratcher with both Carolina and Duke uh, off a little bit. Um Villanova, I'm curious, you started to talk about Villanova. Uh, I don't think this is a superpower Villanova team, but they're certainly very good. Uh, what's your impressions of Jay Wright's team? No, I think it's a it's kind of a different team for him uh, on, on one in one aspect and respect is that, you know, they listen, they can really score. They've got five guys that can score, and, you know, anybody can go get 20 on you pretty much any night. But on the other hand, they don't defend like Jay's teams in the past. They don't get up after you and really control the, the tempo. So they're going to have they're playing a little bit of a different style. And Jay's is smart. He's going to adjust to the type of team he has while still trying to dig and find that defensive intensity. But I've noticed that they don't get down and dirty every night like they have. They don't have the core defense defense that they're going to lock down on you every night and kind of really get up after you once the ball gets over half court. So I think in that respect, they're a little bit different, but I also like their offense that, that they can really score. They can push the pace. Uh, they don't have to just make a bunch of threes to win. They just have to play their game and, you know, they're going to share the ball. They're very unselfish. And of course they're, they're rock tough. They play with so much confidence. That's kind of been instilled over the last you know, seven, eight years where they, Every time they take the court, they feel like they're going to win, and that's 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 a hard trait to establish within your program. But it's been established from year to year, and even when Jay they lose the guys to the draft, but they just have guys stepping in, and you know they've really benefited for not only from the new Big East, but I think from some of the teams that left the Big East mm. and uh, went to the ACC that they've jumped on the recruiting trail and trained down there in that philly new york washington area where you know pittsburgh used to go in there and and get their share of stars so did syracuse and so did some of these other teams 
Now at Villanova seems to be the leader in recruiting in that area, and I think you could see it in their program. And now it's it's just snowballing. Now people just want to be a part of that program and what they have going on down there. We're going to take a break and be back with our second part with with uh, Tim Welsh in just a bit after we hear from our sponsors. I'd like to take a moment to tell everyone about our good friends and the great products at Manscaped. Manscaped is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Many of our my friends ordered gifts from Manscaped over the holidays and are so happy that they did. We hope that you go to manscaped.com and order as well. For all your great party deals, head down to Haxton's Liquors on Bald Hill Road in Warwick. Haxton's has everything you need, all the top wines and spirits, plenty of beer, a huge selection of spiked seltzers, and all the mixers. Haxton's is always ready to serve you, so stop in and see my friends Tim and Bobby Haxton. They do an excellent job with social distancing and air filtration in their giant store. So mask up and say hello to the Haxtons. We're thrilled that they are proud sponsors of Kevin Mack Sports. We're back here with Tim Welsh. T- uh, Tim, um, Providence and Connecticut renewed their long, uh, bitter, competitive, fun rivalry uh, this week. Uh, last week, actually, but uh, for the first time in stores uh, this week. Uh, you are obviously a key part of that for a long time. Uh, well, actually, I, I okay, I have to cut to the chase. M- maybe the most uh, uh, well-known YouTube clip of the Providence-Connecticut rivalry is the Jim Calhoun meltdown after you guys went into Hartford and Ryan Gomes played pretty well that one day. Uh, I- I'm curious if I take you back to that day uh, – you do your media. You go back to your, you know, locker room and get on the bus, and you're halfway down Route Six to Providence. And Coach Calhoun is is getting a little hot under the collar about Ryan Gomes playing so well. Memory is that we came out when we left the floor that day. I said to my co- assistant coaches that, "Oh, here's a fact, boys. Ryan Gomes is a pro." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that day stamped it for me. That guy, this guy's an NBA player. There's no doubt about it because he's dominated the game and everyone knows you coming on to win the national championship that day i think I believe they're ranked second yeah. at, the, at the time and we did get on the bus it was a noon game and everyone was happy and you know that was before twitter and everything else going on and you have to get your information uh in the newspaper or on the six o'clock news or six o'clock sports center <laughs> so i was home and actually getting ready we were going to go out for dinner and and uh, kind of enjoy the night because it was a great win. And I got a call from Steve DeMeo, my assistant. He says, you got to turn on SportsCenter. Uh, <laughs> Coach Calhoun went crazy after the game. And I didn't realize at the time. I, I had no idea. Nobody had called me. and I see. didn't hear about it or anything. You know, it's just that was it. And uh, so I flipped it on, and there it went. And, you know, it kind of took on a life of its own. And uh, still to this day is a is a fan favorite. On occasion, I see it pop up on Twitter. Actually, I saw it pop up today. Somebody somebody retweeted the YouTube. I see. Uh, reposted the YouTube video of it. So uh, it's it's great to see. <laughs> and Jim and I laugh about it. Jim, Jim gets a kick out of it. He laughs about. I, I bring it up to him when I see him, and he he he, he does. He gets a kick out of it. Well, uh, the interesting thing is, like you know, people around Providence. Some of them got, got upset that disrespecting Ryan and disrespecting our program. And I, he said, somebody asked me, did Jim call you up and uh, apologize? And I said, no. Actually, I called him up and thanked him 
because he actually put Ryan Gomes on the map that hmm. day. Yeah. <laughs> and he put our program on the map too. He gave him, you know, not that we needed to get on the map, but it gave us a lot of it gave us a lot of good publicity that we had a really good, great win that day and a special player in Ryan. So that was a that was a fun day. And uh, you know, Jim is I'll, Jim. I'll tell you this about Jim Calhoun, and everybody knows that he's a hard competitor and he's a you know just down and earth, tough Boston guy and a great coach. But he was always respectful to our program and win or lose and we were fortunate enough to beat him a few times and even after the wins he always complimented our preparation our kids and the way we played so that that part about i can never say anything negative about jim calhoun he was always a class class person on and off the court with us hey uh, tim can you speak to the atmosphere in uh, well it, it, not only in the dunk but whether it's there or in at uconn or even at madison square garden uh, there's a lot of debate among the fans these days, you know, who is Providence's biggest rival. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of juice when they play Rhode Island uh, once a year. Uh, in the league, you know, uh, I always thought that there was an extra buzz in the uh, building when Syracuse came in. Uh, not as much with the other teams that left, even Boston College, not as much. Uh, when you were coached, did you consider one team, you know, uh, the Friars' bigger rival than than others? Well, I... I only be. I think it was Connecticut, Kevin, because of the fact that we always played them twice. Hmm. And you know how the league had so many changes over the years, so many teams, and we had divisions. And one year, you know, some years you don't even you didn't play anybody. In the year Syracuse won the national championship in two thousand three, we didn't even play that. That's right. With Carmelo Anthony, so we always seemed to play Connecticut twice a year. They're right down the road. Uh, you know, everybody wanted to go to UConn at the time, so. Our guys always wanted to feel like you know we were on par with them, so they had a little extra juice playing UConn. Now, you know, rivalries can be debated. Rivalries have to be like you know two-sided. Some people say you know you're not. It's not a rivalry game if the other team doesn't consider you their rival. And I'm not sure they did yeah. at the time, but that didn't matter to us. Maybe that gave us a little bit more juice. All I cared about, as long as our players were fired up to beat them and that our fans were, and that was another thing. I think our fans really liked when Jim kind of strutted into the oh, building, yeah. Jim, Bay, uh, Jim Calhoun. Both Jims, but yes. Yeah. That was yeah. a special thing about coaching in those times is the great coaches in our league that we had, with, as everyone knows, the list and the, sure. of Hall of Fame coaches and guys that won the national championship. Uh, sticking in New England, uh, news this week that Boston College made a change. I think you and I would both agree that uh, BC really lost the timing award. I, I, I just don't get it with two, three weeks left in the season. Um, but your perspective on Boston College and that maybe the challenges that they face uh, in looking for a new coach. Well, yeah, I like what they did with football. You know, they certainly made some strides in their football hire. And listen, I think Jim Christian is an excellent coach. And it's just a, it's been a hard job, and you've got to you've got to find the right fit for what they're looking for there. I don't know what they actually are going to do with the position, or what the, I've heard they're going to build a practice facility. They clearly need to upgrade their facilities because they're not on par with everybody else. Right. And, you know, I think the new athletic director who came from Temple is he's, he's a proactive guy, and I know he's he wants to win. And listen, Jim gave him all he could there and he just had some rough luck he had guys leave guys transfer guys 
go to the NBA or declare early that mm. weren't ready that could have been really good college players. But uh, hopefully he'll land on his feet because I think a lot of him. But listen, BC is in a tough spot. You've got to find you know you don't really have a great recruiting base in the Boston area. Uh, you've got to go outside and you've got to try to make it a national. A national thing, kind of like Al Skinner did when he found Craig Smith in L.A. and he found Jared Dudley in San Diego. And you've got to go around and just find those kids under a crack and, and just hopefully put enough of them together that you can be a good, good, solid team. You know, you're not going to probably be able to get the five-star recruits, but if you get enough four-stars at a BC, you can be competitive. And that's what I think they've got to shoot for. And, you know, they'll read retool right now and uh, i'm sure they'll have a lot of quality candidates because it's an acc job and it's and it's a new beginning and from what i hear they're going to uh, build a new practice facility yeah, well sorely needed and uh, you're right about christian i mean he, he had nba players in his uh, seven or eight years they just not enough of them together and boy in that league uh you you certainly need you need pros and you probably need multiple pros to really make an impact uh, switching to the Friars, uh, I, I know you watch the Friars closely. Uh, you said you know you, you speak with Coach Cooley from time to time. Uh, it's a different Big East than it used to be when, when you were knocking heads with with Notre Dame and Pittsburgh and the Cuse and whatnot. Um, are you surprised that the league has been as consistently competitive? Uh, obviously, Villanova's won two national titles. That that, that helps. That, that that kind of brightens up the marquee, um, but. Has the did you expect this from the Big East, or is a mild surprise? And certainly, it seems like it's in it's kind of humming along. No, I think it's I think it's really what they thought it would be. And obviously, you want to make sure you you add it on with the right programs. And and adding Creighton was a genius, and Xavier and Butler, I think, really bring a lot. And they come from major markets. And uh, but the kids are the basketball kids that are in the Northeast. They want to play in the Big East. They yeah. want to play where their parents can go see them, and uh, that's why we were talking about earlier. You know, like a Pittsburgh is taking a little bit of a step back. And one time, Eddie Chellis, the coach of Penn State, said this told me how hard the Penn State job was because he said, "I think we're in the wrong league." He said, "If we're in the Big East, we'd be fine, but we can't get the Philly kids and the New Jersey kids and the Washington D.C. kids or New York kids to come play in the Big Ten. It's hard. They can get them, but it's hard. It's harder. So now those kids from New York and Philly and D.C. they want to play in Madison Square Garden, and they also want to play in a place where their parents can get in the car and drive to see them play, uh, whether it's at home or even on the road. And we all know the proximity of all these games in the Northeast." Where kids can go see their parents can go see five or six games a year, whether sure. it be home at Seton Hall or at UConn or at Providence or St. John's or Seton, uh, Villanova or Georgetown. So you've got that corridor kind of sealed here, and I think the coaches have done a great job of recruiting and holding off some of these major other major schools in recruiting. And you can look at UConn this year and some of their recruiting coming up for next year. Mm. They don't go right into Philadelphia and get a get a really good guard and then they get the good kid out of new jersey and uh, so you know that's that's not happening if maybe they're in the acc or may, definitely if they're in american but the big east brings that name still uh the the schools have done a nice job of really you know putting money into the programs and you know, back when we first started the only school that had a practice facility was villanova you saw they kind of took off first mm. And then it was Marquette, and then they really took off. And then everybody kind of followed with practice facilities and chartering and doing the right thing. No one's, no one's cutting corners. 
which you cannot do. And uh, I think that's why you've seen so much success in the league. And, the, and they've hired really good coaches. And they've stayed with the coaches, too. They, you, can't, you can't give up on somebody for one or two bad years. You've got to keep continuity unless somebody just, you know, can't get it done. But they've done a great job of hiring the right people and staying with those people. Tim, last one. Um, it looks like we're going to get to the NCAA tournament. It looks like there's actually going to be an NIT, which is uh, maybe a, a smaller NIT, maybe a 16-team NIT. Um, a, did you think we'd get to the finish line here? And you, do, do you just hold your breath that we're going to get to a Final Four, or do you think we, we, we've kind of passed the uh, the danger zone? You know, it's funny. You know, when this started, I'm a positive person, but – First of all, I didn't think we were going to get through the NFL. I really didn't. Right. How are they going to get through this NFL when it started? And then they talked about bubbling the playoffs, and lo and behold, everybody got through. And everyone's, I think everyone's understanding how to act better throughout this pandemic and what they have to do. And I give everybody in the world that's involved in the, in the game a ton of credit for what they have to go through. And... I did not think we were going to have a season. I really didn't. I, deep down, I never said it publicly or to anybody, but I said it to Meg Welsh. I said, I don't think we'll be working this year. I think there's going to be, there's going to be, not going to be a season. I don't know how we're going to do that. But give the players, the coaches, the staff, the schools, all the credit in the world. I mean, because it's not a lot of fun. It's not as fun as it's been, but the fun part is being getting on the court. And, uh, you know, but after the game, you can't go out with your parents, get a pizza, and you can't go hang out and go to the movies with your girlfriend like you used to. And it's a big sacrifice for these kids. So I give them all the credit in the world, but I think we're in a good place right now. And I think everybody understands what they have to do. If we've gotten this far, let's stay on course. I agree. Tim, thanks very much. And uh, we'll check in again when we're close to the NCAA tournament. Really appreciate it. Always great talking to you, Kevin. Thank you. Thanks very much, coach. Tell you ESPN is happy to have an analyst like Tim Welsh and all sorts of former coaches, both in the Big East and the ACC that we come across. But Tim Welsh is a special person. He's always loved Rhode Island, and I think Rhode Islanders will always love him. We just need to get him on Fox and calling some Big East games from time to time. But there's time for that. Anyways, that's it for this week's episode of the 401 Podcast. Make sure you check back all the time for the next episode. Thanks for listening to the 401 Podcast with Kevin McNamara. Get the 411 on the sports scene in the 401 by subscribing to the 401 Podcast from KevinMacSports.com.